Hey Highland, this is Matt Pinson here with David Sessions, and we are excited to be talking this morning to someone that you know and you love, Ashley Sturman, our Highland Church student minister. Say good morning or good afternoon or whatever you think people are listening good, to this. Good time of day. Good time of day to you, Highland. Yeah. That sounds very formal and old timey. I like it. Yeah. You sound right. thrilled. I am thrilled. Yeah. I'm always thrilled, and that's just the way I live my life. And a little bit scared. And a little bit scared and kind of nervous. And uh, Ashley started with us at Highland in 2018 and then became a full-time student minister in January of 2020. And then uh, everything's been completely normal since then. It's right. just been totally normal ministry. Yeah. There was no, yeah. No problems. Smooth sailing. Smooth since, sailing. Since then. So, um, Ashley, you also just finished your Master's of Divinity degree, which is a big degree, big post-grad uh, degree. And um, there's less and less people who are willing to continue getting educated in student ministry. So when I meet, and you know, we've worked together pretty closely for the last um four or five years, but whenever I meet somebody who continues investing in this field, I want to know, like, why Why is that worth it to you? I know why it's worth it to me, but um, ministry, student ministry, requires a lot of really refined skills to do it well, and a lot of those skills are marketable other places, and other places uh, might even compensate better or have a better... Um, uh, work-life balance, and so I always know that when people keep investing in student ministry, it's because there's something that motivates them that's that's bigger than a paycheck or bigger than um, some of the things that uh, another employer could offer. So, Ashley, why is student ministry important? Why is it worth you to keep investing? Yeah, uh, I think to answer that, we have to back up several years. So, uh, I was... Raised in Abilene for the most part. I uh, grew up on the south side and went to church here and was really involved in church. My parents were really involved in church. I uh, was really involved in school, had a great friend group. Um, and then my freshman year of high school, we moved to the Dallas area, McKinney, which is an hour north of Dallas, uh, because my dad's job changed to work at uh, SMU. and. So we moved the summer after my freshman year of high school, and I didn't know anyone. I had no interest in being a part of anything that was happening. I kind of just said, well, but it's only three more years, and then I'm leaving anyway, so I'm just going to not invest in anything that's happening here because all of my real friends are uh, back in Abilene, and you know we can just do this like long-distance friendship thing for three years. And um, that did not go very well at all. Uh, my sophomore year of high school was very difficult. Um, just relationally, but also with like my family moving to a new place. That's really stressful for a family. And so um, I myself as a teenager was in this very sort of precarious position with the church where I had been super involved and loved it. And then all of a sudden the things that I loved about it were taken away from me. And so the appeal of church wasn't there anymore um, because I wasn't already plugged in. And I had really, really good youth ministers, uh, Greg Pirtle and Hillary Hoover, Hillary Hoover Ramey. I don't know if we're allowed to name drop. I don't think anyone knows that. When it's but, positive. Okay, yeah. yeah, no, they were really <laughs> very great. 
Um, it was also the first time I had ever met a female youth minister. Uh, I didn't I didn't attend Highland when I was traveling, so I didn't have Sarah Campbell as my youth minister. Um, and that sort of kind of began unlocking some things for me as far as my place in the church. Um, they were really good about encouraging me and sort of helped me unlock some questions I had about the church, capital C, big church. And then they began giving me leadership opportunities within the youth ministry, um, my, my junior and senior years of high school. So I began volunteering with the middle schoolers. I helped teach the middle school class. I was planning and going on the middle school retreat um, on like a leadership team that was helping with things. And that was that became very life-giving for me, especially because I wasn't super involved at my high school. Um, and so my church became kind of like my safe place. And so late in high school, I started thinking and kind of discerning is youth ministry something that I would be interested in long-term at ACU and because uh, I knew I was coming to ACU I just didn't know what what I would major in but I was also really interested in MFT and the counseling side of things mm -hmm. so I came to ACU in 2014 as a child and family services major with the intent to minor in Bible because I did not want to take Greek I sure. knew I would have to take Greek my first semester, and I was not going to do that. So I was like, I will not major in Bible, I will minor in Bible, and then do internships in the summers and see where that leads me. And that worked pretty well. I mean, I never changed my major in undergrad because I liked my, um, I liked my classes, and I think they served me well in ministry and talking about family systems and stuff like that. But... Um, and I did internships, and then my senior year, I really felt like I was being called specifically into youth ministry, but I didn't know what that looked like, um, and I didn't feel like I had the educational component. And, you know, I think there are mixed thoughts about, um, you know, do you need, like, a seminary education to be a minister? I don't think so. I do think it helps um, and is a tool in my tool belt. So I decided to go extend further studies to ACU's Graduate School of Theology starting in 2018. And I was doing that full-time and working at Starbucks when David offered me the job to work at Highland. Um, and so I was um, then doing school part-time, and I've been doing school part-time since then, um, because in 2019, I decided I should take Greek. <laughs> I was going to say, and uh, how many Greek classes have you had yeah. now? No, I've just had six hours, so that's just two classes. but. Uh, well, when I first started, I, I chose a degree where I didn't have to take Greek because I still didn't want to take Greek, <laughs> and then I ended up taking Greek and switching to the full MDiv, so that was a very long-winded way of saying of how I got into uh, yeah. student ministry, but you asked, why yeah. is it important? So in high school, you found your, you kind of found purpose there, you found belonging there. Yeah. Um, why have you stayed with it? I think, like... The more time I spend with teenagers, which is these days a good amount of time, the more I become convinced of the need for a stable non-parental presence, mm. which I could do not in youth ministry, right? Like I could go volunteer at the high schools mm -hmm. or uh, be a school teacher or a school counselor. Um, but I also think there is something powerful about teenagers in a developmental stage of their life where they're they're figuring out their identity um, 
to be the one pushing them to see their identity in Christ hmm. and to make that be the foundational piece of who they are and kind of just letting them ex- like wrestle with that and explore more what it means to have their identity grounded um, as someone who believes that Jesus is who he says he is and how that shapes uh, their everyday lives. I, I think that is something that can only be done within a youth ministry or a church context. Mm. Yeah, so say more about that because <clears throat> you could, like you said, you could find in a lot of other ways to uh, have a, a Christ-like example in a young person's life. And now that COVID has rocked not just Highland, but a lot of churches and uh, people really discovered how uh, nice pajama church is, like, why is it important to be a part of a church? Why is it important for young people to be a part of a church? Um, why not just, you know, what, I guess what I'm saying is like, because I know that you wouldn't criticize people who are getting church online, but what's the value in church now post, post-COVID? Post-COVID? Oof. It's not a softball. No, um, no. We only ask hard-hitting questions hard hitting. here on the Highland Podcast with Matt and David. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> we're like Barbara Walters. Uh, why does church matter post-COVID? I also think um, teenagers, especially, need to be outside of themselves. And uh, what I mean by that is they need to see other people that believe the same things they do to start to internalize it and care about it. And that has to happen outside of their family. So a church that is is, is as intergenerational as Highland, um, where we have, what, five generations from babies to uh, older senior saints. and Five generations is what Storman always said. And then I've always kind of like tried to do the math. And I I can't figure out where the I don't know where you draw the generational lines. But yeah, we got plenty. There's a yeah, it's more than one. Yeah, right. And at school all day, they're with one generation. Yeah, right. right. They're with them. They're with their peers, um, and then they go home to their families, and that's kind of one family unit. Unit, and then at church, provides them an opportunity to be uh, with other people. In college, I read a study that said one of the biggest predictors for teenagers um, like staying invested in the church past high school was the number of relationships they had with intergenerational relationships outside of their family. So teenagers that are poured into from the church body outside of their families, uh, that's something that I don't know that they could experience elsewhere. Right. So you're saying almost like part of a young person experiencing the body of Christ, the, the physical body and blood of Jesus, almost like communion itself, is intergenerational relationships. Right, because we say in student ministry they have to belong before they can hear mm. what we're saying. Yeah. Um, and I think that's true for a lot of us. I don't think that's just true for teenagers, but for teenagers that's very heightened, that they have to feel a part of something in order to hear the words that are being said. Mm-hmm. And that's just the first step in belief, is yeah. even listening. So belonging is a huge 
central role yeah. in student ministry. That's good. Ashley, what's the funniest thing a middle school boy at Highland has ever said to you? Oh, man. I, middle schoolers are so random that I, I think I've just become used to it at this point that at one, at one point it was funny and now it's just a part of every day. <laughs> and, and I don't think it's the boys okay. that are saying the funny things. They're just doing funny <laughs> things, being completely random. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, why, why did that enter your brain mm-hmm. to do? And sure. Now I've become more accustomed to the life of a middle school boy. <laughs> They are like minions. That's how I describe them to like new huddle leaders. The minions from Despicable Me, mm. where they speak their own language. Yeah. And they are constantly touching each other. Constantly. And it just wheels off all the time. <laughs> like almost always about to fight each other. Right. But then like hugging. Right on the yeah. verge. Right. Yeah. Of. Really into and crazy about very random things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I remember when Christine taught middle school for a year, and on her orientation, one of the one of the teachers who had been there for a while, and maybe was a little bit more had a little bit more grizzled and hardened attitude about middle schoolers, said, "Honey, we get to the front of the line in heaven." <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Christine believe that. said after a few weeks, she was like, "That lady's absolutely right." I do believe that. My mom is a sixth grade teacher, and I believe that. Ashley, what is something that you love about Highland? I think what drew me to Highland initially in college before before I started working there was Highland's intentionality with its vision of um, restoring Highland, restoring Athlete, and restoring the world. I felt like that was very upfront a lot of the times in the way Highland was conducting itself. Um, where they were using their resources, where they were spending their time, um, the way they were communicating out to the public about why the vision mattered and what um, what we could do to be a part of that vision. And I think uh, that's something that still draws me to Highland is uh, our, our vision's not perfect, um, but our vision is something that we care deeply about. And I feel like at Highland, Highland at large has bought into this idea that uh, bringing the kingdom of God to Highland and to Abilene and to the world is possible and achievable and realistic. Um, and all all our job is to do is find the work of God and partner in that. And that's a really exciting thing to think about rather than trying to come up with new initiatives or ministry areas, uh, just seeing the work of God and partnering yeah. together in that. Yeah, that's good. I think Highland at its best is very non-anxious because we believe that God is about the work of restoration. Like you said, we just got to find that and partner in it. Um, and that's a lot easier to do when you're a 90-year church and you can look back at yeah. your communal history and say, well, in this time in World War II, at this time in the Civil Rights Movement, at this yeah. time in the Cold War, this is how our church yeah. conducted itself. Yep. Um, and it's a lot easier to be not anxious when you've seen the way you have people at your church that can point to the ways God has carried Highland through Yeah, all of those different things. That's good. Ashley, tell a story about a time when you have seen, like, you felt like the kingdom of God was really close by at Highland. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is 
I think it was March 15th, 2020, mm. was the first Sunday that we decided to go to live stream only. Mm-hmm. And we had decided that Saturday night, right before, yeah. that we were going to go to live stream only. Um, and I volunteered to come up and help with whatever needed to be done. And I don't know that I ended up doing anything, but um, I just felt like the presence of the Spirit was with us, even though we weren't all together. And it felt, <clears throat> being in the auditorium in the room, felt very heavy because we knew we didn't know. Like, mm-hmm. we knew we didn't know what was coming. We didn't know we would be live stream only for the next 15 or 16 weeks. And, um, you know, people would come up and get their communion yeah. for those first couple of weeks. And um, it was a scary time and a difficult time, but it also felt very communal and yeah. very peaceful knowing that we were doing what we could to make sense of what was happening around us. Yeah, listening to you talk about that, I'm feeling that, like, I think heavy is such a good word. I kind of kind of feel that in my chest, like, coming to work and waiting for people to come by and get communion. And, yeah, not knowing, not knowing so much. That was, yeah. Ashley, what is something Highland doesn't know about you that they would find amusing. I don't know. Okay. I'm a really big Dallas Cowboys fan, and I think that surprises a lot of people. Okay. Uh, no one else in our office, except Nathan Sanders. Nathan yes. Sanders is now my buddy in the office during football season. Okay. Um, give us a hot. Give us your hot take on the Cowboys 2023 playoffs. Oof. No playoffs. No. More than the first round? We did not deserve to win as many games as we did last year. Okay. Like it was, they played ugly all year, so I'm, I have zero hopes for... I mean, what's not there? Is the the, the offense is not there, <laughs> the, a strong offensive line. Well, we lost to Mari Cooper, so... Yeah, the offense definitely took a, took a hit. The offensive line could be better. Zeke, I think Zeke has to go. I think Really? Time, yeah, I think it's time. Whoa. I think his time is done. Whoa. I think Tony Pollard would... Be equally as successful. Okay, so dump Zeke's and Zeke's contract. It's the, yeah, I mean, we're so far over the cap that we don't have room to do anything. So wow, wow. Okay, defense. What what would you add on the defense? Mm-hmm. Oh, what's his name? Mike Parsons. Uh, no, yeah, we need about four of him, yeah. uh, <laughs> and then we'd be set. But we also lost several key. We lost, uh, I think, Randy Gregory, and anyway, I don't know. Defense was okay. They. They had their moments, uh, like Thanksgiving Day. That was a brutal, yeah, was a brutal game to watch against the Raiders. But all right, well, Ashley was just, a first-time caller, long-time listener, but I think she came in here with a uh, hot take, hot sports opinion, hot sports opinions on the Cowboys. Yeah, and uh, she proved herself pretty knowledgeable, pretty yeah, knowledgeable. Yeah, I do. I do I, keep up with her. Without uh, without long drives to really listen to sports talk radio anymore, I. Uh, have found myself caring a lot less about what happens mm. with the Cowboys and and knowing a lot less about what is happening with the Cowboys. I hope to be there one day. <laughs> I also, well, this is, it doesn't matter. I was born in 1996, and mm. the last time the Cowboys won anything was in 1995. Oh, so it's, I, it's your fault. Yeah, I've never seen, <laughs> I've seen like two playoff wins my whole life. So yeah, it's really brutal. Remember that one year? Uh, when they were playing the Seattle Seahawks, and all they had to do was kick the extra point. I don't want to talk about it. And then uh, Romo, Romo fumbled the fumbled ball. Somehow they sent out a greased football. 
I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. No, I, I vividly remember it. that. How about this? If you could add one event or trip to the student ministry calendar, what would you what would you add? It's oh, the man. worst. That's such a worse question than what I just asked. The uh, <laughs> like yeah, is there, well, the calendar's pretty full. Well, is but, there like a place you're like, oh, I wish that we could do. Okay, if I time, wish that we could do that. If time um, and resources were, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, we did a mystery trip last year, that and was that was great. something I did when I was in high school, and I really enjoyed it. Where you tell the parents where you're going, but you don't tell the students, and they just get in the van. And then last year we drove 13 hours <laughs> to Denver, Colorado, and had a fun week up there. And we that was in lieu of our Brazil trip, which is happening this year for the first time in three years. So yeah. that's not something we can do every every year, but right. it was a fun time. Is this a good place to tell my um, story of almost getting arrested? Yeah. The... Uh, do you want... Do you I want, didn't do anything wrong. Do you want Highland to know that story? I didn't do anything wrong, but... So we are driving north to Denver, Colorado, but for the mystery trip. And every single one of our parents knows where we're going, where we're staying, what the full agenda is. It's not like we're being reckless with kids. But zero students know where we're going. Their best guess was what, Pflugerville? They thought we were going to H-E-B camp. They thought we were going to H-E-B camp or like Schlitterbond. Or, yeah, like Fredericksburg. Right. right, yeah, they were really dreaming big. So when we were going to Denver, we were in, I believe, Douthat, Texas. Dalhart. Dalhart, like Texas. Dalhart, Texas, it's outside, like north of Amarillo. A cow town. There's yeah. nothing there. And we stopped and split up, and I drove a van full of, I don't know how it ended up this way. There was boys and girls <laughs> on the trip, but it was only girls and me I was and also there. With Ashley, yes. <laughs> with, yeah, right. Thank you. Because, I yeah, we do have that rule where I'm, yeah. And we are in a 15-passenger van, and I don't know why it's an important detail, but the paint is peeling on the front. Yeah. No, that's just the picture. And nowhere on the church van does it say church van. Highland Church of It's <laughs> just, it's just, the van just a white van full of girls. Missing some paint. With paint peeling. And we go to Subway. And uh, we're, I don't think anything is like, you know, this is great. Um, we're getting, going through the line at Subway, and we had a very delightful sandwich artist there. It's Dal, Dalhart, Texas, and she was chatting us up. And she was like, well, where are you guys from? And they're like, Abilene, Texas. And I'm like, well, where are y'all going? And I swear to you, the young lady to my left says, <laughs> looks her in the eye and says, I don't know he gestures to me, I don't know, he won't tell us. <laughs> I said, whoa, 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 their, huh, their parents know. They're, we're a youth group. We're a youth group. The parents know everything's fine. And it's like, whoa. In my head, I'm like, alarm bells going off. But also like, don't explain too much because then you sound so reckless much. and desperate. And I just sat in the corner as far away. He then ate by himself. I, that yes. was what was weird. No. We were all eating in groups and he removed himself and ate by himself. We're like, well, now you look more suspicious. I was trying. Because you're eating by yourself. Yeah. I was so scared. That's I was hilarious. certain blue and red lights were going to come around Ladies eat any very second. Because we have second. to get out of here. Everyone <laughs> all... Get back in the van. <laughs> yeah. Say a word. No, no. I was like, oh, I was just so nervous. 
I was absolutely sweating. Oh, so, so, I don't know. You can cut this part. You were growing a mustache. And then you became, <laughs> I was. You became very self-conscious. I was. Oh, I forgot about that. I was doing that for Rowan Young. Paint peeling, mustache driver, <laughs> white van, white unmarked van. I was, I was trying, yeah, I was Mr. Trip. I was like, whatever, I'm going to look as ridiculous as possible. I, I enjoy embarrassing teenagers. Yeah. And so. That's the dad in you. Yeah, it was yeah. the dad in me. And so I was going to look as ridiculous as possible. I had grown out some facial hair and shaved everything with a mustache, showed up that morning. <laughs> no one noticed it because I have very fair skin. And, uh, but it was just, yeah, it was just enough there to be creepy, which was what I was going for. Until we got to the subway in Dalhart, and I thought, it looks like I'm abducting nine teenage girls. (laughs) Yeah. And Highland, I wasn't, is what I need you to know. It wasn't. We made it to Denver. And they found out where we were going and the agenda for the week. Yeah. And it was very spiritually formative, and we had fun, and that was the goal. And, (laughs) hoy vey. Hoy vey. I did. I did enjoy the mystery trip. That was fun. Yeah. Matt, do you want to wrap this all up? Ashley, thank you for being a part of Highland. Yeah. Thank you for uh, molding and shaping our children's faiths, and thank you that that is important to you. Hmm. Um, and thank you for being on this podcast. You're very welcome.